want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Ask Hard Questions, focused on the book of Ecclesiastes. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Toil, Timing, and Beauty by Faith. Is there any hope or purpose beyond the temporary? Is there any purpose beyond the temporary? You know, one of the things that our family does, we all do this from time to time, we go to the beach, right? And you go to the beach, and uh, I, I always find it interesting, some people make these elaborate sandcastles. And there's something in me that says... I'm a dad, I should make a sandcastle. I mean, I, want my, I don't want my kids to grow up and go, yeah, we didn't ever make sandcastles. Our dad was kind of a loser, you know? We didn't ever learn sandcastles. So I'll spend some time on sandcastles, but have you ever watched a family and they spend like eight hours on the sandcastle? You see, I have a theological doctrinal position on sandcastles, which is it's gonna be gone tomorrow. So I came here to rest I'll watch you expend yourself. It'll be amazing. We'll take a picture in front of it after you're done. <laughs> See, life's a lot like a sandcastle. In fact, if you think about it, all that you're spending yourself on, everything you've been spending yourself on this week is like a sandcastle. It's going to be gone. And whether that tomorrow is tomorrow or that tomorrow is in 50 years, Someday, everything is passing away. And what Solomon is asking is, is there any hope or purpose beyond the temporary sandcastle? Is there anything beyond this? Or am I just going to spend myself, walk away, and someday when I'm gone tomorrow, it'll all be gone like me and no one will even remember. If you think about that question, that's a hard question. That question will sink into your soul. I want to take a moment here for what I'll call a gospel excursus. Obviously, Solomon, in his time in redemptive history, can't see the whole picture. I want you to think with me for a moment about crossing barriers, barriers of work. One of the barriers I think of is crossing the sound barrier. If you've ever studied or watched a movie about Chuck Yeager, who was a pilot in World War II, and then he eventually was so good at what he did that they set him up to be the, the chief pilot to try to break the sound barrier. And so he went way up in the sky, set the plane to a very dangerous position, and risked everything to try to break the sound barrier. And he did. In 1947, he became a a rock star, if you will, or a famous person shortly thereafter, breaking a barrier. You know, the barrier that you and I face is not trying to break sound, not to be a pilot. The barrier that we talked about last week, coming from Romans chapter 8, it says that because of the fall, because of man's sin, because we as sinners chose to reject God's purpose for our lives, that God, in turn, put us in a place of futility futility. What that means is we're forced to live under temporary circumstances where our lives don't go on forever. Our work doesn't go on forever. And we're stuck with a barrier of futility. But that's the most beautiful thing in the church. But Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, which is describing the work he would do on the cross, it says, 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish or toil of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide his spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. That's the gospel story. The gospel story is that Jesus Christ entered the world and embrace the toil, the broken toil of this world. And he was willing to go through the toil or anguish of his own soul as he gave his life on the cross for Jesus Christ, the most noble work ever done. Now, what did that do? Well, it was so great to have Jen. I so appreciate your story and sharing how Jesus Christ has changed your life. When Jesus Christ gave his life for all of us, Our toil was redeemed by Jesus. That now by faith we can cross the futility barrier. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, our work is no longer up against this barrier, limited that my work, everything I do, everything about me will end in dust. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, eternity comes into play. I want you to think about that from the perspective of work for a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says this. Right after speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul concludes by saying, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain or futility. You see, because of what Jesus Christ has done, he's not just redeemed our lives, he's redeemed our toil, he's redeemed our work. Now, I hope that some of this will sink into your mind, not just now here at church, but when you're getting up to go to work on Monday morning, or you're getting up in the middle of the night to give Johnny another bottle. What you are doing can now transcend the futility barrier. What you're doing in your acts and labor of love can matter in eternal sense. Think of it this way. We can now join Jesus by faith in the work of eternal significance. Now, maybe you're discouraged here and you're like, how how does that work, pastor? I feel like so much of my life is just spinning my wheels. I feel like I'm giving myself all the time and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. And and I feel like like even what I've done for the Lord sometimes is just vanished into nothing and I invested myself in someone and they just walked away from the Lord. What, 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 What is there for me? I feel like my life has been a waste. Can I say that pastors feel that? Way too much? Ministry leaders feel that? You feel that? One of my favorite verses in scripture is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Someone shared this with me years ago, and I highlighted it in red so that I could find it quickly. It says, For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name in serving the saints as you still do. 
If you're here today and you're discouraged, if you feel like all your toil, even for Jesus Christ directly, has been a waste, I want to encourage you and say, that's not true. God sees your work. God sees when you give 110% and it doesn't amount to anything. When you give yourself at work and you try to share your faith with others and they don't want it and shove it right back in your face, he sees it and it matters to him. If you're discouraged, I hope that today you will walk out of here encouraged, realizing that the God who loves you, the God who sees your toil, the God that has redeemed your toil is the God who is remembering your toil. I want to go back to the question we asked just a few minutes ago. We toil, toil, toil. All is temporary toil. Life is sandcastles. Is there any hope or purpose beyond the temporary? Again, this is Solomon's question. This is what is driving him. How do I get past this? I want us to see two gifts that God gives us. This is what's on Solomon's mind. Look at chapter 3 in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3.9, he repeats the question from earlier. Verse 9 says, what gain has the worker from his toil? What advantage is there? What benefit is there? One is a temporal gift. One is an eternal gift. Look with me down quickly from verse 9 to chapter 3, verse 12. This is the temporal gift. He said, and I perceive that there is nothing better for them that, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is a gift, or this is God's gift to man. You know, sometimes we can be so despairing, like Solomon is, that we miss the gift that God has given us. And even from Solomon's perspective, he comes to a great conclusion, which is, Toil is a gift from God. And even though we experience the downside of the fall and sin, God wants us to rejoice in the gift that is work. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, I love that you're listening to Meeting with God, but I got a question for you. Are you doing the Christian life in isolation? At Vertical Church Columbus, we live out biblical community, not only through our weekend services, but also in grace groups these small groups meet across the city weekly to encourage one another and care for one another and study God's word together. You know, if you don't have Christians around you in your journey with Christ, let me invite you to Vertical Church. Go to verticalchurch.life. Think about what he says here in the, these verses. He says, be joyful, do good. And then he says this. He says that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. You know, a year ago, I was reading this passage in my own time in God's word, and the Lord convicted me of something. I'm, if you get to know Jensine and I, you know that, that one of us takes great pleasure in working, and one takes great pleasure in playing. And that's how our kids are going to grow up balanced and semi-healthy. So if you want to have a good time, I'm not your person. I apologize. But I'm the one that helps provide for the ability to have fun, and my wife is so much fun. One of the things the Lord convicted me about is, Luke, you like to work, that's good, but you don't enjoy your work, and you don't enjoy the results of your work. And I remember I was sitting on the couch, and I was just realizing, 
I'm just one of those head down German grinders. I'll work and I'll work and I'll work and I'll work. And what God said is, listen, some of us need to maybe repent from laziness. Some of us need to repent from being unfun and ungrateful and unenjoying all the things that God has put in front of us. Some of you worker bee types will say it positively. You need to do what the text is saying. There's something beautiful about going out for a good meal and just enjoying it or having a drink together with your spouse and and enjoying a moment. There's something awesome about going out in the backyard and playing. There's something beautiful about taking the money you've earned and going and purchasing something that's fun. And it's not socks. It's not underwear. There's no purpose but to have fun. God wants us to have a spirit of gratitude. Some of us need to hear that. God loves you. The gifts he gives you in your work, he wants you to go home and enjoy. A biblical model is, thank you, Lord, for everything you've given me. You know, God takes pleasure when you enjoy the gifts he's given you. That's what heaven is. It's a full expression of the good things that God has given us. He says to take pleasure in your toil, all of these being joyful, doing good, enjoying the gifts of toil taking pleasure in toil, all of these are a temporary gift from God to be received with gratitude. Maybe you're asking, well, pastor, what about the broken parts of toil? And for that matter, all of life. What about the broken parts of work? What about when my boss comes in as a complete jerk? What about when I've worked on a project only to find out that, and I had this happen once, spent months on something only to find out right at the very end, oh, we're canceling that project. What do I tell my wife now? I've been missing all kinds of dinners and weekends and all of this stuff for something that literally never is going to happen now. What do we do with that? And for that matter, once we extend the thought of the fall, what do we do about all the brokenness in relationships? And I invest myself in my children or other people, and then it goes south. What do I do with all of that fall in this and brokenness and the parts of life none of us wants? He says, what gain, verse 9, has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. Then he gives one of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture. It says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want you to think about this second gift. We just looked at the temporal gift of God in toil and enjoying it. And, but now I want us to look at the eternal gift of God in toil. He says here in this verse at the beginning, verse 11, he says he has made everything beautiful in its time. What is he talking about? What is he saying that everything he's making beautiful? Well, this is why we study God's word in context. If you look back to a couple verses, to the beginning of chapter 3, one of the most well-known passages, probably the most well-known passage in Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. Thinking of all the times that I've read this at funerals and at weddings. Time to be born and the time to die. 
A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Now I want to say, he's saying all these things in a positive sense. Kill is in a sense of military, a hard but necessary thing at times. A time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather them together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent. A time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate evil. A time for war and a time for peace. Everything is beautiful in its time. Now, what I'm going to ask you to think about is going to be in the eyes of faith. What he says here is he's saying that everything that our lives go through, the good, the bad, the ugly, God is making beautiful in his time. God will make beautiful in its time. And maybe you're asking, well, how will he make you fill in the blank beautiful? Many of us can immediately pull to a Rolodex of the three worst things going on in my mind right now, or the three worst things that have gone on in my life and have so affected my life. So I'm actually in this chair suffering right now, pastor, because of the things that have happened to me. Where, where is the beautiful in that? Keep reading at the verse. Look at verse 11. He says he has also put eternity into man's heart. I love my little gerbil or hamster thing at home. That little thing crawls all over everything. It's brought our family together. It's an amazing thing. I didn't realize how a pet could bring a family together. That little thing crawls all over people and except for mom. Keep it away from mom. That hamster's gonna pass away someday. But the difference between us and a hamster is that we have eternal... Don't tell my daughter that passing away, okay? That part's not cool yet. Someday she's going to see. The difference between us and the hamster is that we have eternity in our hearts. He's saying we will last. We will go beyond everything that we can see here. Now, the amazing thing is he can't see hardly any of that because Solomon can't look in and see the gospel yet. He can't see where the promise will be fulfilled. But he does know that eternity is in our hearts. There's more to this story than we can see. But then look beyond that. It says, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So here we have a verse where we see there's something beautiful that God's doing. There's eternity in our hearts and you can't figure out how it works together. That's the tension. Can I have faith within the tension of those three things which are all true at the same time? It is beyond us to know how God puts the pieces together. We must wait to see a full understanding. So we live the beautiful and the broken adventure of life by faith in the eternal purposes of God. That is the answer. We have to live by faith, beauty, and eternity, but also the sense of temporary beyond me. I can't make sense of this yet. How then do we live? How do we live with this tension? First, 
But he says here, he has made everything beautiful in its time. We need to surrender the timing of grasping God's beautiful purposes by faith. Surrender. Some of us are control freaks. Some of us have advanced degrees in control freak. And we want to know now. God, give me the answers now. I want to know why the the window shattered. And I want to know who did it. And I want to know how you're going to put it back together. God, now please. And the answer is God's calling you to surrender the timing. I'll admit, as a pastor, as I've grown older, I've seen how God does some things. And I've seen some beautiful pictures come back together. But there's so many things that for every one that I've seen like that, there's three more stories of God. What are you doing? I don't see this. And I have to, and you have to surrender the timing of grasping how God's beautiful purposes are coming together, and you have to do it by faith. Second of all, we're invited to celebrate that beautiful is happening right now by faith. Do you believe the God who gave us Romans 8.28, that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, to those who are called according to his purposes, even in the cancer, even in the other challenges, even in the lost job, even in the runaway child, all of that, that God is working something and I can celebrate it by faith right now, even when I can't see how all the pieces come together. Third, Some of us here need to rest in the beautiful eternal purposes of God by faith. Do you know that? That God's eternal purposes are being woven through the thread of this existence we call life. And even when it doesn't make sense and we feel so confused and so frustrated and our hearts get anxious and we get tense, the call of God to you today is to rest. He has a plan. He is working his plan. He is fully empowered to work his plan. You can rest. God doesn't want us grasping for control or indifferent or stoic or anxious. Here's what God is calling you to think about. When you think about the toil, all the events in your life, all the things that are going on, God is calling you to, by faith, believe that he will make it beautiful in its time. We don't necessarily get an explanation of how our lives or our toil fit into God's larger work of beauty. But we can rest in this, these two verses, Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. If you love Jesus Christ, if you're following him by faith, and if you're willing to believe that he is bringing pieces together, and someday these broken glass pieces of our lives are going to come together like a mosaic, and someday instead of seeing it at ground level where we can't make sense of it, we're going to be given an eternal view looking back down. And I'm telling you, someday in eternity, you will look back and go, oh, Wow, that's why that happened. That's why, that's why I got cancer. So that one person would overhear a conversation about faith and then make a decision to follow Jesus that I never heard about before. I didn't see it, God. You saw it. All things broken will become majestic and beautiful someday in the hands of God. Let's pray. Father, we entrust ourselves to you. Father, we realize that this life is filled with good, the created order that you have blessed us with, and some of us need to enjoy it more with more gratitude toward you.
And some of us today are suffering and we're wondering, why is this? Why does it have to be so? Until we're reminded that we are sinners and we are in need of your grace and we are depraved. And but for your son, Jesus Christ, we would be asking the same question. Solomon is the same way and with the same level of despair. But we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and toiled so that we could have the penalty for our sin covered, that we could be freed from the chains of sin and temporal and futility. And that in his resurrection, he showed us life eternal. And that someday we are going to, these bodies are going to pass away and we are going to be in eternity and we are going to be with you. And we are going to have bodies that don't decay. And we are going to live lives that aren't shattered here and there by the sudden brokenness of sin cast on us from moment to moment, but no, we're going to be in your presence and your son is going to be there and there's going to be perfect peace and there's going to be a beauty that's going to cause us to worship and fall before your throne and say, he is worthy. He is worthy. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.